If your brand isn't loved, you are in serious trouble. Thumbs up, heart emoji, none of that is real love. What I'm pushing for is for people to really think about how do I create real brand love? Welcome back to Lead the Team with number one best-selling author and in-demand corporate trainer, Ben Fanning. On this podcast, the world's most innovative senior leaders share their top success strategies to motivate your direct reports, cultivate your top leaders, and accelerate your career. Let's get started. Here's Ben. Hey there, Lady Team Nation. Welcome back to another great episode. I've got a treat for you today with Doug Zarkin, who's a former CMO of Pearl Vision, retail and brand marketing expert and author of a book that we're going to talk about today, Moving Your Brand Out of the Friend Zone. He's also Brand Week's marketer of the next generation, 2023 recipient of the Entrepreneur Franchise Game Changer CMO Award, and Crane's New York Notables and Marketing Honoree. And Doug's career spans two decades leading marketing for some of the most iconic brands, including Avon, Victoria's Secret, and most recently, Essler Exotica for their global brand, Pearl Vision brand. And Doug has also co-founded the youth entertainment and lifestyle marketing arm for gray advertising back in the day where he spearheaded marketing campaigns that filled stadiums and captured audiences for renowned brands that you know, like Ralph Lauren, Group Denon, Eminem Mars, the NHL, Reebok, Mitsubishi, Red Lobster, Seagram, W Hotels, CoverGirl, The Food Network, and Warner Brothers. I just had to read all those out because you probably heard every one of them, and I think that's pretty cool. Doug, welcome to lead the team, sir. How you doing, Ben? And yet my dad still doesn't really understand what I do, but that's okay. What is he doing? Well, in your book, he's going to find out if he doesn't already get it. So, oh, I, I, my, when I told my dad I was starting to write a book, and he said, "Yeah, what are you going to write it about? Making ads?" And I'm like, "Oh man, you you really don't understand what I do." But but that's okay. It's uh, how I spent my summer this this summer was really taking 20 years of what I hope good insight, some strategic construct, some funny stories, some analogies, and putting them together to really give somebody who's really trying to figure out how to thrive in, in today's marketplace, how to build brands and create strong emotional connections, a bit mm -hmm. of a guide. It is not a how-to manual because I'm a firm believer that there is not a right way or a wrong way. There's just a way. And my book, Moving Your Brand Out of the Friend Zone, you know, it's really a, a modern day guide to help you strengthen your brand's value equation, how to create brand love. And today more than ever, Man, if your brand isn't loved, you are in serious trouble. Yeah. So how do you know if your brand's being loved or not? You know, it's it's pretty simple. The first thing is in in the notion of sustained sustained success. You know, being able to string together year after year after year of consecutive growth. That's one of the reasons that I knew that we had created brand love at Pearl is that we had eight consecutive years of really significant top line and bottom line growth. Yep. The second way is, is really, you know, we live in a feedback culture. So if you want to know how you're doing, just go on and check out your online reviews. They will give you the good, the bad, and the ugly about, mm -hmm. are you creating a strong resonance within your four-walled or even your virtual four-walled experience if you're an e-com business. And then the third way, and I think this is incredibly important, is go spend some time with your frontline associates. You know, hmm. I think they are the most powerful marketing tool in a marketer's toolbox. 
And they're often overlooked as just executors. What they are is, is centers of insight. And mm-hmm. if you ask the right question, man, you can learn some amazing things about your business. Yeah, I like that. So we, you talked about brands kind of externally focused, bottom line focused, but then the internal focus being, hey, what are your employees think? Sure. <laughs> because they're ultimately how a lot of people are experiencing your brand in the call center, at the store, wherever it happens to be. That's where, where the rubber meets the road. You're like, what's a favorite question of yours to ask to, to find this out, how they really feel? So um, I loved, so using why is a terrible way to get an answer. Because if I say to you, why do you feel that way? It immediately puts you on the defensive. And so actually one of the things I did early on in my career was I got trained as a licensed moderator, which was really a fancy way of learning how to ask questions, how to bring out insights. And so my go-to is help me to understand. Help me to understand is a great way of giving an open lane for somebody to share with you things that they may not want to share. But it also, like many words in the English language or phrases in the English language, has a double meaning. Help me to understand is a great way of saying in a politically correct way, what are you, a fucking idiot? Because it gives you a, a chance to really get the understanding from the person that you're working with and how they arrived at the decision or the actions that they did. And doing it in a way that's constructive. But, you know, there are so many words based on tonality that change meaning. Help me to understand is one of my favorite go-tos. Yeah, it allows you to walk the line. Oh, uh, sure. It allows you to just keep your job. That's for sure. Yeah, inviting, but but you're inviting them into the conversation in a helpful way. Explain it to me. And yeah, I mean, that's a great way to kick that conversation off to really understand what's going on with them. And so... When you created this model, what are the results that you found in terms of how it's benefited you and and others? Well, I I think for me, one of the things I talk about in the book is elevating the importance of the how, not just the what. Hmm. You know, we live in in a culture of action, but the method in which you do something is incredibly important. And I talk about how I learn, how I lead, and then, of course, how you behave as a brand. And for me, the notion of how you learn really comes down to a something that, you know, if, if I wasn't married 20 years would be a great sort of fun fact that you could share at a bar, but you're talking to one of the few men that actually was an Avon lady. And I share that with you, not because it's a great way to torture my, my 15 year old daughter, but it gives you a sense of how I learn. I learned by doing, you know, when I joined Avon, the company for women as a young man, being challenged with reinventing their direct selling model to bring in a, a, a new generation of, of sellers, but also a more upscale generation of buyers. You know, I went to the chairman, Andrea Jung, who in her own right is a visionary. And I said, listen, I got to learn this business. And can I go out in the field for the first six weeks and become an Avon lady? And she looked at me and she's like, you're serious. I said, absolutely. And so I traveled the, the country with um, mm. the finest Avon representatives learning the culture of the org, learning how Pearl Vision, I'm sorry, how Avon was special. And Mm -hmm. most importantly, putting myself in a situation where I embraced the awkwardness of asking questions. I think too many times, especially when you're young in your career, you're afraid to say, I don't know. 
Mm. I don't know is one of the most liberating phrases that a marketer could could offer because what it basically does is it provides an opening for a colleague to collaborate with you to create a strong connection and for you as a leader to lead not just from the front but from the back as well. Mm. How you lead is also incredibly important. And you know, I think the notion of leadership through listening, but leadership understanding that every person on your team, I mean, look, you and I are talking right now. I'm looking at your, your very meta background. It's very cool. You're looking at my background, which kind of looks like a sports bar exploded and you're getting a sense of who I am as a human being. This is not something five years ago that many of us would get. You've got to appreciate the entirety of the humans on your team, the people on your team. And you have to realize that every single person on your team has a movie playing in their head. And that movie could be a comedy, a tragedy, a love story, a romance. And we as leaders have to lead the entire person, not just the person that shows up between nine and five. Yeah, so good. And I love that Avon story, by the way, because it shows a lot of humility as a leader. You could have come in and started ordering people around, but you're like, wait a minute, I don't know this business. I need to know it from the front line first. Plus, you know, look, if you need a good lip gloss, I'm still pretty good at it, you know, so let me know. I'm pretty good. If you need a little something, just give me a call. I'm still pretty good at it. Okay, you got that. You got it cornered for that. I probably could use some. And I I just think it's, it's so powerful. And understanding about asking me, what, what a great place to learn the art of asking questions. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was, for me, it was liberating and it provided me with one of those nuggets that I carried forward. When I went to Victoria's Secret, I worked in the store. When I went to Pearl Vision, I worked with our opticians and our optometrists. Get into the frontline experience. If you're in a business that's e-com, sit with customer service, sit with sales, understand the executional aspect of your business. You know, strategy without an eye towards execution is nothing more than just writing words on paper. And so being able to think holistically will inevitably make you a much more effective leader. Yeah. Yeah. My experience with that, I worked at the sports authority uh, uh, for a while and went when they were around. We had this thing. And so I worked in the headquarters. We had this thing called Sneagrab, which is bargains spelled backwards. Okay. okay. Still they they still do that uh, in, in Colorado, but that was our our time. It was such a crazy time. That was our time to go on the front lines and basically sell uh, ski equipment and ski clothes mm-hmm. and for borders. And I mean, it was brutal moving that stuff in and out, uh, selling it, talking about it, not truly understanding the product as probably as well as we should mm-hmm. being not being on the front lines and really gained a deeper appreciation for what we were moving. And it yep. informed everything that I did from that standpoint. So I'm awesome for that, man. Awesome. Never became a great skier, but I can talk a little ski equipment. Cunt. Want to boost your productivity and decision making? Get vital insights from each episode delivered directly to your inbox. A great resource whether you've listened to the episode or not. Go to benfanning.com slash insight. So what's another message from the book uh, uh, here, Doug, that you'd like to share that, that you think that's important for our business leaders to, to know? You know, I, I think, especially for those that are listening to the podcast, and look, you've got a fantastic audience who are, are open and curious. 
that curiosity invites the notion of introducing innovation into your marketing plans and in your business. And, um, you know, I dedicate an entire chapter of the book to really understanding how to process through innovation, you know, without going through it in its entirety. What I'll say is the first two letters of the word innovation are in, and that in stands for insight. Doing for the sake of doing is so ridiculous. You know, said a little bit less eloquently, fear of missing out, FOMO is not a marketing strategy. How often do we see businesses and brands do things because they're afraid that they're missing out? You know, B2B businesses doing TikTok videos. Why? Okay. How many useless apps do we have on our phone? Again, all of these things are things that with the best intent, but didn't really arrive out of an insight. And so what I do is actually break down the word phonetically of innovation and break down every aspect of it. And what it does is it provides a framework for the questions that you want to ask yourself and your colleagues as you're debating, should we do something? I mean, look, the biggest resource that you face in thinking about innovation is really about time, benefit, and money. Okay, those are all Mm. commodities, but it really should center on the dialogue of, is there a real strategic insight that's powering this? Why are we doing it? Or said differently, help me to understand what's fueling our desire to move forward with this or to consider this. Help me to understand. That's great. Because I think people see their kids on TikTok and they're like, hey, we need a TikTok strategy. Well, do you really? Like you say, B2B, it doesn't maybe doesn't make a lot of sense. You maybe, maybe sometimes though, do you think it's okay for them to experiment and try stuff and pilot it to see? Sure. Just dabble in it to see. When when do you say, hey, that's a that's a nice experiment versus oh, man, we need to move on versus hey, this is a nice experiment. Let's let's go all in. Uh, you, you just you just gave me a softball. You know, another chapter in the book that I talk about is you know, baking the marketing cake. You know, a marketing plan is like a seven-layer cake. You know, there are different types of ingredients. There's like the the needs and the musts, which are the, which are the things that actually require a cake to be a cake. Then there's like the coulds and the shoulds, which take a basic cake and make it a little bit tastier, you know, a little bit richer. And then there's the wants, which is, you know, when you have a cake that is beautifully designed or shaped like something. To answer your question specifically, it is absolutely okay to test and learn. That kind of falls into the world of the shoulds and the coulds. You know, the thing is, is you want to be able to ensure that your musts and your needs are done extremely well, because the musts and the needs are the foundation of your plan's performance. You know, if you're going to start doing A and not investing strong in performance marketing, if you're not investing strong in strategic storytelling and you're shifting all of your gears to doing a sponsorship because it's something that you think you want to do, great. There's nothing to prevent you from doing it. And look, it may work in the short term, but recognize again, this is this is a lifetime value journey. Mm-hmm. You know, you are trying to maintain consistency in relevancy with your consumer. And there are definitely going to be spikes, peaks and valleys, just like in any passionate relationship with your wife or partner. There's going to be moments where the marriage is awesome and there's going to be moments where the marriage is kind of rocky, but there's a love and a trust that uh, that underpins it even through those times. That's the same concept in building marketing plans and building brands. And that's why in trying to come up with a way to frame this, I use the relationship dynamic of the friend zone. You know, we've all been there. 
you know, when we were dating, when we were single, you meet somebody, you would think that, you know, wow, we're really hitting it off. This is somebody I think I could have a real great relationship with. And you go to make that move and they kind of give you, you know, a little bit of the, whoa, I don't feel the same way about you that you feel about me. Hmm. They put you in the friend zone. And unfortunately, that's not a great place to be in your loving, passionate relationships. It's not a great place to be in your brand relationships. Think about how easy it is to think that you're liked in this digital economy. You know, thumbs up, heart emoji. None of that is real love. It's more about inclusion than love. What I'm pushing for is for people to really think about how do I create real brand love? Cool. I love that. A like is not love. That's what they call it a like. If there was love, they'd call it you got loved instead of you got like. A like isn't even a like these days. A like is more of like, I just want to be in the conversation. I want to show up. You know, how many, you, you're probably, you and I are probably of the same generation. We're still on Facebook. You know, somebody posts something, yeah. you hit like, and, and that really is just kind of checking off a box. Yeah. Um, well, you same can hard it. You, I know. I know you but can. And so that's a that little bit more anything? of a like. No, probably not. No, not really. Um, a little more, they, they move their hand a little further over. As I like to say, it's giving a little bit more of a shit than just giving oh. a shit. So where where is this going with podcasting? You know, I mean, you know, I'm in this world. Yeah, you've been on you've been on other podcasts. Uh, how do you see it progressing? So, you know, podcasts really exploded during the pandemic. You know, it was an opportunity for Type A personalities to connect with people virtually, and it caught on. And the ones that have stayed are the ones that have substance, that have meaning, that have character, that have created love. I think for a podcast to continue being strong, first of all, it has to have a very good sense of its values and its identity. Mm. Your podcast is a brand and every episode is a product from that brand. And so if you think about how the guests that you're bringing on, the topics that you're talking about, how does it pay homage to what your brand is all about? The name of your podcast sets a tone. Mm -hmm. The people on it need to reflect that tone. Um, That's why people tune in. I like it. Do you see it becoming an effective medium or continuing to grow as as an effective medium going forward? Oh, I think it's a rock star medium. I think the biggest challenge is trying to get in early, you know, trying to anticipate Mm -hmm. which podcast is going to take off and secure most favored nation rights. Like one of my, my favorite stories of my career was I was working on a video game business in the agency days and we were approached by the folks at Viacom about this new animated show that was going to run at prime time that was a little bit irreverent and you know they invited us in to see the screening and you know at the time we were like wow this is outrageous but this is exactly the kind of environment that the video gamer that we were going after at the time would embrace that show happened to be a little show called South Park and I was one of the first advertisers for my brand on that show. And wow, we had most favored nation status for years. Wow. First pod placement, first commercial break. And it was wonderful. But we got lucky. We got lucky. Wow. Yeah. Hats off to Cartman. Where's your South Park figurines? Um, you know, <laughs> what's what's nuts is I have a 13-year-old son and he's discovered South Park. <laughs> and listening to him walk around the house talking like Eric Cartman, it's just not a good thing. But oh. it's funny. That's so good. That is so good. All right. So I want to do, uh, before we, you know, uh, we could keep going down the book route. You all check it out. It's out now. 
So out now, go to dougzarkin.com. It'll take you to, you can either go to Amazon and find it, or you can go to my website. And if you want to sort of try before you buy, you can download a chapter, but I hope you'll pick it up. It's really a great resource for somebody who is either in college, trying to learn about marketing, coming out of college or graduate Mm -hmm. school, or somebody who's young in their career or an entrepreneur that's trying to figure it out. Again, it is not an instruction manual. It is a guide. A guide takes you on a journey, but you are an active participant in this journey. The whole premise behind this book is to provide you with tools and constructs and things to think about as you find your way of building your brand, your business, and honestly, yourself as a leader. So kind of moving in down the road just a little bit here, or I guess maybe before the book, you have a really interesting background. What was it like for you to go through the writing process? Or did you use a team or how did you how did you approach the, the writing? Wow. First of all, I am the world's worst speller. And I am a victim <laughs> of... Um, As a CMO? A, I am the world's worst <laughs> speller. And I am a multiple time victim of an assault and battery from autocorrect. I, I cannot even tell you how many emails. My team used to get so used to it that they would just laugh. And part of it is my mind at times is moving faster than than what's coming on the, the keyboard. But sitting down and writing the book, what I did is is I did about eight hours worth of interviews. Getting the 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 outline of the book was actually very easy for me. I, I knew the topics I wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. Then it was kind of expounding on each topic. And then I had a little help taking that sort of oral presentation and putting it into a form. And then it was just yeah. hours and hours of editing. Um, you know, I spent the majority of Labor Day weekend, you know, going through second rounds of second edits just really to ensure that I did my best in terms of providing something compelling. I, I probably rewrote four chapters. I can only imagine what like a movie director goes through or or a or a script writer, um, screenplay writer. It it it's torturous. But I have to tell you, it's kind of cathartic. Mm. You know, it it brought me back to moments in my career where somebody maybe put up a wall that I needed to break through, or it reminded me of an opportunity to celebrate something that was pretty damn great and mm. and talk about that in in the book. When was the moment or what was the moment that you decided to to take this on? You know, when I decided to step away from Pearl after 11 years, you know, an opportunity to do something different. I've been wanting to do this for a few years and and some cards fell into place where it was the right opportunity for me to step back from Pearl. You know, I left that business, I think, in a, in a much better position than I found it. You know, Pearl today is the number one brand when it comes to quality of care. Perception is voted on by Google five-time winner of the Women's Choice Award for Best Optical Retailer. But more importantly, if you talk to the franchisees and the consumers, Pearl is now, once again, an iconic brand that is trusted. And that wasn't necessarily the case when I got there. Um, Also, how many CMOs do you know have the ability to stay in their role and execute not just one five-year plan, but two? Um, And that was something I was really proud of. So it was the right time to step back. But I would say at the end of April, I decided that I was going to spend the summer doing it. And every day at the computer, writing, putting notes down, going through old, you know, old stories with friends Mm -hmm. to say, listen, is this something that'll make for good content? And, you know, we'll see. Awesome, man. Have you been sort of building up to that? 
were you collecting ideas or jotting down a bunch of ideas and then you put them together at one time? Or did you start that process the moment you sat down this summer and started working on it? You know, what, what was great about working in, in, in a franchise business for 11 years is that you had a built-in pipeline for feedback. You know, if you said something that was meaningful, they would tell you. If you said something that was garbage, they would tell you. And so unbeknownst to me, what I was really doing was pressure testing some thinking. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I use my experience at Pearl and my experience in at Avon and some of the other brands I've worked on as content in the book, you know, either yep. real life examples of how I applied this or things that helped me think about something a little bit differently. So when I put the outline together, it was pretty easy because I was using some of those experiences. I also was so blessed at Pearl to build the finest high-performing team I've ever had the privilege of being a part of in my career. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they would always talk about the Dougisms, you know, nice. the, the, the focus on the emphasis on the how, not just the what, you know, my, my sort of acronym breakdown of the word innovation, things that are in the book really were pressure tested and put to the test truly through integrating them into how I led the Pearl Vision mm-hmm. brand and and frankly how I became a leader which is something that is a journey didn't start when I graduated graduate school it, it came pretty late in my career realizing that it wasn't just about what I was going to do as an individual but the power of team you know as leaders you're always encouraged to achieve but something clicked in me realized that you know what climbing the mountain alone yeah you could take a selfie okay but climbing the mountain with a group of people and guiding them up to the top, the group pick so much cooler. And, um, you know, I really Dolphin learned versus group pick at the summit. I love totally, it. Totally. 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 Oh, so good. Well, I think it's, a, I think it's an interesting insight. So when I went, went through the book writing process, I was pressure testing it with myself and I was blogging it periodically. And so by the time I got to the book writing process, I was kind of bringing together the blogs and, and whatnot. And I really like your approach because you were you were thinking through these ideas and you're pressure testing them with the group that you were leading. And so a lot of our a lot of our audience are CEOs that are thinking about writing their own books. That's that's on their docket. And I think they may have the ideas, but it's important that they also find ways through the process to, as you say, pressure test them. As eloquently as I can possibly say this, don't make stuff up. Don't create stuff. I'm serious. Don't create stuff for the book because you think it's going to make a good read. This is not fiction. Okay. I very quickly realized that George Clooney wasn't going to option the rights to play me in the movie. Like I, I, I fully grasped that. I could see that. He, he'd be a good CMO. For <laughs> It'd be great. He'd be great. I'd like to see him do the Avon. It'd be interesting. I'm sure he would do extremely well. I wanted to write a book based on things that I knew worked. And that doesn't mean they were going to work for everybody, but at least it gave me the confidence to know that, you know, it wasn't about me just drinking my own Kool-Aid. You know, the market responded to my feedback. Yeah. Again, I was also blessed with the the team that I had the privilege of leading wasn't just a group of followers. They were leaders in their own right. You know, a key thing in building a high-performing team is you need a team that is going to debate, decide, and commit. This is not a vacuum where you say point A and everybody agrees. I'm of the mind that if you don't have a point of view, I'm going to give you one. 
And I only hire people that have strong points of view because I want to hear it. It makes me a better leader. It makes me smarter. It makes me think about things differently. So if you're a CEO listening to this and you're thinking about writing a book, your first step should put be putting down all the things on paper that you know that you have used that have worked and that haven't worked. If you can't fill a couple hundred pages based on that, you probably shouldn't be writing a book. I love it. Think about what's working, y'all. Think about what's not working in your career. Sure. Get the ideas down because one day you might have a window like Doug did to uh, that, that he created to get this thing done. But what I'm hearing too is, and I believe this, it's better if you've got some ideas down and be thinking about this and testing them before you get down to the writing process. And uh, you did a nice job of that. And so it really sounds like it worked out well. So what are your, what's your parting thought for our listeners today, Doug? So, you know, what I would say to you in listening to this is, is trying to figure out, you know, is there a cheat sheet? Is there a cheat code to being successful in the world of marketing or building brands? And I would say there probably is only one. And it's something that I hold near and dear. It's something philosophically that I've tried to build a reputation around. And that is the notion of thinking human. You know, if you saw the movie Jerry Maguire, he had that, you know, food poisoning up all night writing assignment where he came out with his manifesto. And what Jerry's manifesto was really about was, you know, less clients, less money. I'm not saying that at all. But if you actually think about and watch the movie, what Jerry was saying in his, his thing was prioritize the person. If you treat every customer like they're your only customer, if you treat every team member like they're your only team member, you're really thinking human. You're going to create amazing experiences that celebrate and create brand love. And you're going to create amazing teams that truly respect you, admire you, and, and dare I say, love you as a leader. And I hope to some degree, I've been able to achieve both of those. Thanks for coming on today, Doug. My pleasure. If you're an executive at a crossroads in your career and thinking about quitting, do this before you do anything else. Head over to benfanning.com quit to receive a free signed copy of my number one best-selling book, The Quit Alternative, The Blueprint for Creating the Job You Love Without Quitting. You'll learn the critical questions you must answer before you make such an impactful decision. Go to benfanning.com quit to get this valuable resource for just the cost of shipping. Ben Fanning is a number one best-selling author, Inc. Magazine columnist, and CEO of The Fanning Group, an international consultancy and corporate training company. To learn how they can help your organization, go to benfanning.com.